Sabah Muslim is brought to you by Shiraz Auto. Agents for Mercedes-Benz cars, Mercedes-Benz vans and Mercedes EQ. During the course of the day, the ICJ will be hearing Israel dispute allegation of crimes against humanity against Palestinians in Gaza. Joining us for insights into the legal complexities and implications of the case, especially regarding trade and security, is Dr. Kinsley Makubela, former ambassador to Portugal and the current director of Risk Recon. Um, Dr. Kinsley, thank you very much for your time and welcome to Radio Islam International. Good morning and what a pleasure to talk to you. The pleasure is ours indeed. Let's start off with uh, some opening remarks as, as we prepare for the hearings at the ICJ. You know, um, one really big issue that South Africa intends to achieve at the ICJ is what the Security Council actually has failed to achieve, a cessation of hostility, ceasefire. Because South Africa is making an argument that there must be an interim judgment that really uh, prevents Israel to continue with the bombardment of Gaza. So this is something that the Security Council has really failed to overcome. And I think at a later stage, then the argument around the substantive matters of the case, that's what is going to play itself out. What is likely to happen, we, I suspect, is that Israel will try uh, to question the competency of the court to listen to uh, this case. And I think Israel will base itself on the fact that, uh, uh, you know, if you look at international media and international legal opinion, it's been really focused on saying that uh, this is a violation of the international humanitarian law, which is not the prerogative or the competency of the ICG. I think that's what is going to uh, that's the argument there. Because in terms of the substantive issues and argument that Saraska presents at the ICJ, it will be very difficult for Israel to rebut those issues and given the level of preparation that Saraska has done. Mm. And looking at the level of preparation and the submission and all the efforts put in, we see that the United States coming out to say that this is a meritless, frivolous uh, case and which is counterproductive. How do you respond to that? You know, it's, if, you, if you look at um, um, Article 3 of the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of Crime of Genocide, particularly Article 3, uh, subsection E, that really also implies that those who are complicit in the genocide must be punished. And there's an over, overwhelming view that the United States actually and it's the one that is fueling this conflict by sending the arms to Israel without any condition. So indirectly, the United States will be found to be complacent. That's why you see somebody like John Kerry at the National Security Council at the White House. That, that is the one who first issued out the statement to say the case without merit and without basis. And the question is that has the United States done any detailed investigations of all this allegation? The answer is no. But it's because any findings on this case would directly impact on the United States. In the U.S., the CCR, which is the Center for Constitutional Rights, is pursuing a similar case against the Biden administration. So it only makes sense uh, that they are opposed to this. And I suspect it's not only the United States 
the United Kingdom and other countries that have been flocking to Israel to say you have the right to defend yourself when the right to defend itself has been reduced to killing uh, children, women and children in, in this conflict. So they will be found to be complacent. So you have powerful forces that really control instruments, the levers of power around the world that are on the opposite of what South Africa is doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're going to take this thing lying down. Mm-hmm. What about the, the intended and the unintended consequences for South Africa when making this case in the global scheme of things and their international standings? You know, um, you, you would have seen uh, yesterday that South Africa lost um, a, a seat in the United Nations Human Rights Council to Morocco. And if you look at uh, the standing of South Africa in terms of human rights issues compared to Morocco, you would have expected South Africa to make it. So I think you're going to see this kind of sidelining of South Africa on major international platforms. You're going to see um, a certain narrative pushed against South Africa around the world, particularly within the U.S. legislative bodies, the Congress and, and, and the Senate. Uh, they're going to push, for instance, for things like Agoa for South Africa to be excluded because uh, there's been this narrative that South Africa is going against the interests of the United, of the United States security. So you're going to see this narrative building up. So it would have serious consequences on South Africa. But the question that I always ask myself is, does South Africa have the guts to stand up to this country and assert its sovereignty? And given the challenges that we're seeing within the country, I sometimes doubt if South Africa would have the will and the political will to stand up. You're going to see those divisions playing itself. You're going to see business here starting to talk about business interests uh, vis-a-vis uh, what's going on. It's incomparable. It, it's really, you can't compare the lives of people in, in Palestine with business. We can't survive on the blood of Palestinians as a country. And, and you're going to see this narrative playing itself, but I don't know how solid the country would hold. Within the political establishment, there are di- divisions. Other parties have totally different views and so on. So uh, this thing's going to play itself. And we know uh, the Jewish lobby is quite strong around the world. And they're going to really lobby very hard uh, to get South Africa to be punished. And I think South Africa would, would have to... Um, uh, it's, it's definitely going to uh, be punished, but would have to withstand this, uh, whether there's a resilience and, and necessary uh, guts to stand to this powerful country is something that we need to see as, as, as the situation unfolds. And then looking at the impact of the ICJ's decision on global politics, we've got the global south and the global north and the Western powers, we see that there is a dramatic shift and change in how the world is perceiving things. You know, I, you know, the world is, is changing, it, it's true. Um, and the world is changing for the better. And that there's a fatigue around the unipolar world that is, uh, for, since the collapse of the Cold War, has been dominated by the United States. And there are different forces around the world and institutions around the world that are really trying to redefine what this new world order should look like. The multipolar world that people are thinking has to emerge out of this. I'm fortunately sitting in a think tank in Washington that is really trying to look into this new world order. So this is a think tank that includes a large number of uh, 
former ministers of foreign affairs, defense, and and uh, and academics and so on around the world that are looking into this thing. But I know the other initiatives also uh, to really look at how the new world should look like. This new world that should be peaceful, the new world that should coexist, and this new world that should not be determined by one particular hegemony. So I think those are the issues that are starting to emerge. The BRICS is seen in the same light as an alternative to this dominant force that has been uh, really imposing its will around the world. So uh, there, are, there are new changes that are emerging. Uh, but I'm afraid, uh, as South Africa, we are really locked into uh, internal dynamics here in the country and forgetting the new world order that is emerging, that we need to participate in, in influencing how this new world order should look like. Uh, I'm afraid we left out in that. Mm. Also looking at uh, the critical role that South Africa is playing in all of this, and we saw their role during the Russian and Ukrainian conflict uh, where the president made the trip to both countries and trying to address the leaders on that front. It's it's an ongoing effort on the side of South Africa to see global peace and to see that these issues are resolved through dialogue and not through uh, further fueling of uh, conflicts. South Africa is is playing a proactive role on the global scene in this regard, even despite all the challenges that you have highlighted and the country is facing back home. You know, um, I mean, the, the Ukraine-Russia uh, matter, it's, it's, it's totally different. And I have uh, my own view about that. And I, I think South Africa uh, should pick its fight. You, you can't get involved in literally everything. Uh, we live in the conflict that is going on here in, in the Sudan that is really tearing apart uh, one of our sister countries. And you're not seeing the same level of uh, attention paid by African leaders. And, and yet you find a troop of African leaders who flew uh, to Ukraine and Russia and probably flying over the Sudan and not paying any attention to that. So. I think Serbia needs to pick its fight. That that war against in in Ukraine, the United States has the power actually to stop it. In the same way that the conflict in, in Palestine, if the United States stops tomorrow to send weapons to uh, to Israel, that war will come to an end. The same way that in Russia. So we really need to understand the leverage of the country, and I, and I think that's where the country is is, is missing some points in my own view. Mm-hmm. Dr. Kinsley, thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated this morning on Radio Islam International. Shukran, alhamdulillah. Thank you. Bye-bye.